Well, turn it in your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew, the 16th chapter. And let's take a moment and pray. Father God, we thank you so much in the name of Jesus for being here tonight. Thank you for your divine presence and help. You're our strength. You're our help in time of need. You are our strong tower. Lord, we believe that you intervene in the affairs of, of your people. Lord, we're not left here to just figure everything out on our own. We're not left here just to try to work our way through life in our own ability and strength. But we thank you for your supernatural wisdom, grace, peace, and victory that we can all experience every day. Thank you for your help. Lord, give us the word and the message for this time, I pray. And give each one a spirit of wisdom and revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 16 and verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, You are Peter, or a little rock, And on this rock, a massive rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And so we've been studying for the last couple uh, weeks this subject, the church. All right. It's something we should all have a very good grasp on and understanding of. It's something we are all a part of. If you've been born again, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are a part of the church. All right. What is the church? Well, it spans the globe. All right. It's partly in heaven and part of it's here on the earth and it has all kinds of subtitles. All right, but ultimately it is the church. But we know that the the church that we're talking about, that the Lord said He would build, and the devil couldn't do anything about it. <laughs> Gates of hell would not prevail against it. This church, uh, just to say briefly what we said before, is a is a gathering. It's an assembly. It's God calling people from all over, and especially here's the main point: out of darkness into light and he called us to gather together all right and he we studied the universal church like we said which is all around the globe we've also talked a little bit about the local church okay and and that is local churches all around um, our city state country and planet all right but it is God's plan when Jesus said he, I will build my church. Someone said, which one, what is he talking about? Is he talking about like the universal church that we're all a part of as believers or the local church? Yes. All right. Uh, these things really ought not be separated, okay? We know that in if you actually examine by meaning and definition who is a part of the global or universal uh, church, um, yes, a person can be saved 
without being a part of a local church, but that's not God's plan. All right? It's not the will of God for any believer to just to be saved and just be you know, on their own in their own house. Say, so what about those who, who study the Bible on their own? Well, praise God for the fact that they study the Bible on their own if they do. Most people, most Christians who are not a part of and connected to a local assembly, body of believers, are not studying their Bible. <laughs> they are backslidden. Hmm. Say, I know someone who read. they are the exception. If they are... Have an, if they have an active prayer life and an active life in the Word of God but are not connected to a church, they're the exception, not the rule. Most people are simply away from God. doesn't mean they're not saved, but they're not walking with the Lord. And even for those who have come to the conclusion that, you know, the local church is not necessary for me. I just get stuff through the TV and through my Bible and I listen to this one and that one. That person is still missing it. Do we love them? Absolutely. We want to throw stones at them. Absolutely not. I, I was uh, talking with a, well, several months ago. Uh, Pastor Mickey and I were playing golf, which I've done far not enough of this year. And, and I won, by the way. <laughs> I think. I don't remember, actually. Uh, but we were we ended up playing because the courses sometimes team you with other people, and there was two ladies that we were playing with, and and uh, and so I at one point asked began to ask um, these ladies. I just said, "So where do you guys go to church?" I didn't know if they did or not, <laughs> and uh, but I you know you got to start a conversation somehow, and uh, and they both did they both. Well, they both were believers, and one of them started saying that they went to, uh, I think she called it a home church, okay? And, uh, but I could tell as soon as she said that, she was ready for a pounding. <laughs> In other words, she was used to that because a lot of people had kind of beat up on her <laughs> over the fact that she was not a part of a, a church like ours or something, and and she was kind of hesitant to tell me that, thinking that I was just going to jump down her throat and say, well, that's not a real church. And, uh, and how many know whether you agree with that philosophy or not, you don't have to jump down people's throat. And we're not into condemning people. And, and too many believers think they have to correct everyone. Hmm. That doesn't help the body of Christ. If the Lord leads you, if it's right, talk. Yeah, we should be able to share because not everyone is walking in truth. And, you know, but at the same time, every time someone comes to you and say, you see that they're doing something wrong or believing something wrong, or, that doesn't mean that you uh, have the right to go in and correct them. A lot of times, you know what that does? It divides. Hmm. So don't you believe in correction? I, actually, I do. But uh, there's a right place and a right time and a right way for those kind of things to happen. And, you know, you got to watch out that you don't correct and try to minister correction to someone that you don't have a place in their life to do that. Everybody listening? Sometimes people think, well, I know the truth. The Spirit of God's in me. And so uh, he's, you know, and they want to, they blame everything on God, by the way. The Lord led me to do this. Or the Lord told me to do this. Well, 
you might want to just double check, triple check, quadruple check, and make sure you're not going to rub someone the wrong way and make it hard for them to receive when maybe the Lord does want to bring some adjustment to their life, but just a different way. Everybody's kind of quiet, but uh, telling you the truth, uh, not just preaching here. Uh, <laughs> amen. But it, it's important for us to understand. Anyway, getting, getting back to the church, the Lord, of course, is still building His church. He said that's what he would do. He said the gates of hell would not prevail against it. He's still doing that. How many know he doesn't change? We still live in the same dispensation or what we call the church age or the age of grace. The church is what the Lord is doing. Say, uh, you know, you, you hear from God. What's God saying? What's God doing in the earth today? The Lord is building his church. And the gates of hell are still all fit to be tied. <laughs> Because they are still not prevailing, and they know that they cannot withstand and stop the church of the Lord Jesus Christ from moving forward. But we could ask ourselves a question, what does constitute a church? When I gave that example, uh, it does that, is that a church? When this woman told me, well, we meet with a, basically a few people, a handful of people in a home, and we get together, they basically have a Bible study. Uh, is that a church? Um, well, I would, I would say it's important to understand that when we, we get our definitions, when you look at the Word of God, you have to understand when it was written and the circumstances under which some of the things are stated. In other words, we do read in the, in the Word of God in the book of Acts about people meeting in houses, meeting from house to house. It seems at one point they were meeting every day. And later, it seemed they were meeting once a week. And maybe, uh, but listen, there's not a law concerning that. Say, how often should we have church? (laughs) Well, there's not a, a, a biblical guideline that says you have to meet twice a week. Three times a week as a as a as a body. Different churches have different schedules, and you know God blesses different schedules. <laughs> uh, some churches meet in you know Sunday mornings, and you know we have Wednesday night, Saturday night, have a whole bunch of services right now, and may have more in the future. And Lord help us. Say <laughs> uh, so what's the right thing? Well, it's whatever the Lord would lead each individual group to do. Hmm. Amen. And uh, say, what, what, about, uh, what, what about, again, that, like that example and other people who meet in these so-called, so-called home churches? Well, one question I would have, because, again, I'm not ready to throw stones at anyone, and uh, I'm not ready to condemn anyone or just go out and be Mr. Correction to the world either. Uh, I'll minister where God has given me uh, authority and so forth. But uh, I, I would ask this question, who's the pastor? And someone say, well, do you really need that? That's not a question that I would just answer of my own self. We should analyze the Word of God, okay? Because God sets gifts in the church. Remember Jesus, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. One very unique characteristic about the pastoral gift is it's not typically roaming, in other words, it's in one location, and it's the picture of, in fact, that word pastor is only used one time in the New Testament, but it's what 
that analogy comes out many places in regard to a shepherd and sheep. And the picture of a local church is, they, is that there is a pastor who is a shepherd to the sheep, bringing certain types of things in their life that will not come in their life just through believer and believer. Everybody understand? There is a valid and important relationship that Christians should have with each other, all right? One another. There's a whole mess of those scriptures in the New Testament. The one another stuff. And we are to relate one to another. That's different than the relationship between sheep and shepherd. That's different in the relationship with a, than, uh, that a prophet would have with the body of Christ. Than an apostle would have with the body of Christ. All right? They're all important relationships, but some have... Uh, removed the gifts of God out of their life. And they think even maybe, you know, like Miriam of old, coming out, coming across the Red Sea, and of course, uh, you remember back there in Numbers, I think it's the 13th chapter, where Moses wanted to, uh, Moses married the Ethiopian woman, and Aaron and Miriam had something to say about it. Right? Uh, anyway, there, there's, the, there's this um, absence of recognizing position and place. And these things are of God. They're something that God is involved with. Okay? Some say we should all be equal. Well, we should all be equal in some relationships, yes. Brother and sister in Christ, absolutely. But in all respects, are we all equal? No. You know, for example... I'm giving. I'm, I do, I'm using one example, not even finishing it, and I'm going on to the next example. <laughs> yeah, well, you get the point. Over in Ephesians chapter five, remember the scripture said, "Submitting to one another in the fear of God." Anybody remember that that scripture? Five twenty-two, maybe. And uh, and then the next scripture goes on to say, he, he start, basically starts a new subject, and and starts talking about husbands and wives and the marital relationship he says wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands and so forth as unto the lord goes on to talk about husbands love your wives as christ loved the church uh, i've heard too many people use the verse that says we should submit one to another to erase the rest of the chapter what they don't recognize is that there are differing relationships that we have there are relationships where we, t- where, where we definitely submit one to another. And there are other relationships whereby we are to submit to those in authority. I don't want to get a whole message along those lines right now. We've done a whole teaching on that. But there are some relationships that we should have. Again, we're equal. Absolutely. No higher, no lower. There are others that are not that way. Okay, the marriage is one of them. I know that's not real popular today, but it is. Okay, I say, aren't husband and wife equal? Equal in many ways. But equal in all ways? No, not in position. There is a godly system or ranking in his body, in his church, in the home, in the church. Amen. And so let me get back to this. When we talk about the church, 
Someone said, what constitutes a church? If a group of believers come together, are they a church? In the sense that they are believers and a church is a gathering of the Lord's followers, in that sense, sure. But is it the way that God designed a local church to operate? No, it's not. Because he does not want the local church to just be everybody give and take. Little Bible study, you teach this week, you teach this week. You know, we, we kind of, uh, that has a purpose and that can be very uh, beneficial. You know, people call them uh, cell groups. We've done them called life groups, uh, home fellowships. There's a purpose and there's a, a valid use for that type of ministry. But it doesn't replace the God-ordained structure where he sets a pastor or a shepherd over sheep. That is what makes a true local church. Now, in the, in the early days of the, of the church, we know that Paul would go in and, you know, there, everything was brand spanking new. He would go in and evangelize, win some people, get them together, and, uh, and move, you know, sometimes stay with them for a bit. But he was doing evangelistic work all over the place. People were getting saved. It was amazing. But then they come together. What are they going to do? Uh, how, how about, who should be, you be the pastor? <laughs> well, how many know there weren't any pastors? All right. And in those days, what they would do is he would go and he set up, you can read over in places like Acts 14, where he would set up elders in the church. All right. What did that mean? Literally, it just meant an older person. Someone that had some, that had some maturity, natural maturity, and they could go in there and kind of run things until there was time for ministry gifts to rise up. And therefore, a pastor could be in uh, authority and be able to minister the way God wanted them to minister in that place. Amen. Amen. So, so, so I, I think about um, scriptures like Psalm 23. Everybody knows, I don't want to go through the whole chapter, but you know the very first verse of Psalm 23? It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is our what? Our Another way we could say that, the Lord is my pastor. The Lord is my pastor. I shall not want. Well, uh, what are some things that a shepherd does? Now, again, we don't live in that type of uh, part, that part of the world where there's like flocks and stuff. Do we have any shepherds in the house? <laughs> Didn't think so. I mean, where you got a flock of sheep and... Uh, literally now, not talking in the figurative sense of the body of Christ like a pastor, but uh, in the literal sense. Well, some of the things that a shepherd does, a shepherd would lead. We've all seen that. Doesn't drive the sheep, leads the sheep. A shepherd feeds, right? A shepherd protects. And at times, a shepherd corrects, all right? And those things are necessary in the life of a sheep. <laughs> they need a good shepherd but likewise uh well you, you just for your for your reference you know second timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness and, and so what 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 is it that leads feeds and protects and corrects through the shepherd it all comes through god's word and he speaks to us. But if the Lord is our shepherd, and that produces what? It produces a fullness. 
Because if the Lord is my shepherd, then I shall not want. What if the Lord is not my shepherd? I will be full of want. If I were going to be fulfilled anyway, then what would be the purpose of saying, the Lord is my shepherd? If no one were wanting, he would just say, I'm your shepherd. And, well, you don't want anything anyway. So I'm just your shepherd. No, the shepherding is to the end result of no lack. Having the shepherd in our lives produces fulfillment, produces everything that we could need in life. We could say it this way. Those who continually find themselves lacking are probably not following the shepherd. You know, the Lord Jesus in John chapter 10 called the good shepherd. How many know the, uh, the Lord has been accused, God has been accused of doing a lot of things that go directly contrary to what you would think of as a good shepherd? You know, they think he beats the sheep, leaves them stranded, leaves them dirty and, and, and starving and sick and emaciated, and he's the good shepherd. Yee. I'm going to sign up for a different flock. If everything was true, what, what, what people blame on the Lord. No, he's the good shepherd. What happens when, uh, when he's leading? There is no want. I find this interesting. You all know this. But do you see that want is different from need? Oh, the, the, the sheep is not just barely kept alive. Surviving on the very basics, the very bare necessity of what he can live on when you follow the good shepherd you don't want anything why don't you want anything because you have it all the little sheep laying out there in the pasture with a tummy full of green grass the stream of cool water flowing by basking in the sun and life is good that's the way the lord leads us amen so the reason many people live in, live in want is because they are not being shepherded but i would want to look at this how does the lord shepherd how does the lord pastor his people the lord pastors let me ask you this how does the lord teach his people say well the lord can teach us things just direct. Well, he can, yeah, and does. But a whole lot of it comes through teachers. Say, so the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me and guides me every day. Yeah, no doubt that he does some direct leading. But a lot of his shepherding, leading and providing and protecting and correcting comes through shepherds or pastors. He pastors us through pastors. And this relationship is key to not wanting. Now, a lot of times people can be real with you until you start putting it in human body. Yeah, I'm going to follow the Lord. He is my shepherd. He guides me every day. And then you find out he's going to do it through somebody else who's not perfect, who's got idiosyncrasies, you know, that word. (laughs) 
<laughs> that kind of, you know, you don't like sometimes. And, and, and the Lord chose them anyway. And the Lord decided that's the way I want to lead you and protect you and so forth through another person. It's real easy to say, I love God. <laughs> it's a lot more difficult to say, my proof, my demonstration of loving God is loving so-and-so. <laughs> loving them and loving them. But how many know that's a reality? We cannot divorce ourselves from, from the body of Christ and say it's just me and God. We cannot separate our. We cannot say, the, the Lord is my shepherd. And then when someone asks, well, who's your pastor? Oh, well, no, I... I just study the Lord, study the Bible on my own, and the Lord, you know, is my shepherd. The Lord is my pastor. No, no, he's not. Not like you think he is. Because he is moving. Yeah, he'll give you some that way. But a lot of what he wants to do in your life is going to come through another person. That's the fact, Jack. Whether we like it or not, whether, uh, whether we think that's true or we don't, it's, that's still the way the Lord say, well, what if I pray real hard? You can fast. You can fast for a month. Pray hard. Hard, hard, hard. It's still going to be that way. There's some things the Lord just set up, and that's the way it's going to be. Amen. He is the good shepherd, and he shepherds us today through other people. Now, of course, you could get too extreme there. Let me just throw that out. Doesn't mean every decision you make in life you have to go talk to a pastor. Well, the Lord put the, that relationship or you have to find a prophet or someone. I, I want to use the gifts of God. I want to acknowledge God's giftings in my, <laughs> that he sent in my life, so I'm going to go talk to a prophet. Or I'm going to get pastor's direction on, on, uh, on everything I do. No, no, no. That's not that you have the Holy Ghost. And we are living in a new covenant where we are led by the Spirit. But I'm saying at the same time, we certainly don't want to exclude and keep ourselves out of the ministry and anointing of the local church or really, really any of these other gifts that flow typically through the local church. Amen? Okay. And so, and so listen, too many Christians today only follow their spiritual leaders when it's convenient and when they agree with what they're doing. Because again, that mindset of I'm free and I'm a, you know, we live in a democratic society and, you know, we vote and we choose and, you know, I'm pro-choice and whatever. <laughs> and I choose everything and well, you don't get to choose everything. Now, we're not talking to that Sunday group. We're talking to... The Wednesday group. So I'm, I'm trusting everyone can handle that. You don't get to choose everything. Say You say we don't have free will. No, I'm saying you do have free will. The Lord just doesn't give you permission <laughs> to choose everything in life. Some things are His choice. And He wants us to say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm going <laughs> to. Did I do that right? Something I learned in the Philippines. <laughs> Amen. But we can't, we can't just limit our exposure to God's way and God's method to when it's comfortable, when it's convenient, when everything agrees, when everything just seems to be hunky-dory. 
in our lives. No, we say, I'm going to let God's ways be established in me. I'm going to let those whom he's placed in my life in both natural relationships and in positions of authority to take preeminence. I'm not going to easily discard this. So why do you say all this? I want us to have this understanding, but listen, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. What can the devil do? He can try to get us to separate from the church. What does that mean? In one, one aspect of that is he wants to pull us away from the specialized gifting and anointing that a pastor has. See, can you say this about yourself? <laughs> well, I have to be convinced of it, otherwise I wouldn't be operating in, in the gift and in confidence. I know for certain that God anoints people and gives them special giftings and insight. And here's another biblical word, oversight. So that people can come into the fullness of of God. And God will continually use that gift, one of a number of gifts. But God will do that. And so if the the enemy is able to separate me from the church, he can prevail against me. What does that mean? A lot a lot of times this is real practical if the enemy can separate a person from that pastoral anointing that is in one regard there to provide protection, then he is able to come in. He's the wolf. He's the thief. He wants to come in. There needs to be shepherd present to bring protection. Ultimately, now, the shepherd the shepherd, the Lord Jesus, but much of what he does in that shepherding process comes through people that he has anointed. Amen. And it's unfortunate that some, because of their not being able to accept a person, because again, a natural person who makes mistakes, who doesn't, you know, altogether reflect God in every movement that they make, They're not able to accept that. They're unknowingly sometimes cutting off a supply of God's Spirit to their life. And they think, no, I'm just bugged by that person. Well, maybe you are. (laughs) I've been bugged by people before. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly you have. But I must be careful not to cut off a supply of God just because a person kind of bugs me. Amen. Amen. You, you, we got to watch that in any, any situation. Let me step aside from just talking about a, a, a pastor and those type of gifts right now. Any person who may minister to us, again, people are all different. Personalities are different. Sometimes people can come into a meeting and say, who is that person speaking? I don't like the way their voice sounds. And so they missed something that God wanted to do. We've got to not see people after the flesh. 
I've listen, I've been in services where the person ministering was and I just this is not the Sunday group, right? <laughs> person ministering was three or four times the size they ought to have been. Huge. Hugely overweight. How many know that can be a distraction? If you don't know that, you haven't been in that meeting. <laughs> it can take you a while to go, wow. Not that you're trying to be harsh and condemning them. You're not wanting to hurt anybody, but it's just different. But how many know a mature person has to be able to look past some natural stuff? Because you know what? God will use someone who's huge and use someone who looks funny. <laughs> use someone who doesn't have the greatest voice. Whatever, all kinds of things that we put attention to. God can use anybody. But can we receive from anybody I'm not saying I'm you know I'm not that person person's judge anyway but I don't know what they're dealing with and why they have such a struggle in that area but if they're speaking and I'm there I need to listen for what God has to say because it's a lot more important than the outward shell and so the anointing of the Spirit of God comes on people to do different things. And we're talking about the church, so you have to talk a little bit about the pastoral gift and anointing. And I know this because I, it is my office. It's what I operate in to a great degree. Sometimes I have insight that I'm very con con conscious of that it is beyond me. It's not all, I'm not talking about just for my personal life. I think for my personal life, I'm just like everybody else. Not anointed in a special way to live the Word. But when you, when you have a gift of God and He's called you to do something, there's equipment that goes with that. And sometimes, and I, I thank God for it, sometimes I feel like I won't need more of it, to <laughs> be honest with you, and contending for it. And, uh, but times I sit back and I think, wow, this is so God and not me. I am just, I'm not this good. <laughs> I'm not this smart. I'm not able to, uh, but I recognize, man, there's a, there's a grace here. There's an anointing here. And, and it's important that we realize that church is supernatural. Not just man's idea. Not just we got together and just decided to do this. If it's not supernatural, let's do something else. Go somewhere where it is. But there are supernatural gifts, and sometimes a pastor is able to see the big picture, while sometimes others are only looking at what's right in front of them. This is important to understand in the, in the functions and operations of a church, that, you know, if you've ever seen a, a maze, sometimes they do those big mazes with, uh, with like, corn fields or straw bales for people to actually run through and they run around and they can't find a way out but you, if you, you ever get up above those see a picture from above or you're in a tower in an airplane and you see that how many know you can find the way through that thing so easily and it's important again one of the words used for pastor by paul in paul's letter to timothy uh, uh, some translations use the word bishop some use the word overseer all right what does it mean what do you mean overseer well it's not underseer. 
there is some oversight which gives a person in that position perspective, sight, able to see, go here, don't go there. And here's the deal. This is not a lack of spirituality by anyone, but not everyone sees from that perspective. Not everyone is given a gift and anointing to have that oversight if the Lord calls you to do something, he'll give you the gifting to fulfill that. But that is part of what the Lord anoints certain people to do in the local church is to see it all. Is to see the big picture. Is to have oversight to be able to direct. To be able to give instruction. To be able to know what to do. And I know this, most of you know this about me, but I, uh, when I get ready to minister on a message or a series like we typically do, I give a lot of thought and prayer to that. And there have been times, I think it was, I think it was a year ago, if I'm remembering right, I started saying, I think I'm going to teach on uh, uh, marriage and relationships soon. I've, I'd like to do that. I know it's been a while. I still haven't. <laughs> I've tried a couple times, though. <laughs> In other words, I thought, you know, this is something that we need to do every now and then, every few years or something, we need to teach on this because people struggle in that area. And I've gone to start to study that way, and I, hadn't, did, I just didn't have a release. I didn't have, didn't have an anointing to go that way. Now, you could teach anything at any time, and it would be valid, but from a pastoral perspective, I'm trying to have oversight and sometimes in that, there is a gift to know when certain things need to be talked about. And when things, though they're valid, though they're good, it's just not top priority to speak on that right now in, in our public gathering. All right? And, and I value your prayers in this regard. Pray that my eyes be open to see this. But I do know there is, and not that I couldn't miss it. You know, I'm not saying that. It's in, I'm infallible because of it. But there is a gift to see and to recognize at times, certain things need to be taught on. Certain things need to be brought forth. What happens if a person, by the temptation or offense or whatever reason, has been, if a person has been separated from that gift? Well, here's what happens. There will be times when they need certain things, and there won't be someone in their life to recognize that they need that. And so they'll study the Word and get benefit from it. They'll listen to this and fellowship with these and get benefit. But there will be an element in their life that they are lacking. And it's a supernatural element. It's one of the ways that God will steer us one way, steer us another way. Some people think that the only time God really speaks to us specifically as far as changing course is through like a personal prophecy. I'm telling you, a lot of times God speaks to us through teaching. Yeah, teaching isn't always prophetic, but if the Lord directs us to teach a certain subject at a certain time, He's trying to get in your, in your car and, and navigate with you and try to get you to steer around some stuff. And, and, and you know, oftentimes we avoid needing a miracle needing a supernatural deliverance, needing a, well, you know, a big event to fix our life. Well, because we were connected 
to the local church that Jesus is building and that he has placed anointed people in. I'm just one of those. And, uh, and with that anointing, I was able to steer clear. Sometimes people don't even know what they steered clear of. But they were in the right place at the right time. They prayed the right way. They made a decision here, and they have never had a clue. I wonder if we're going to get to see all the things that happened someday when we're in heaven, see all the things that we missed. I think it could be quite a blessing to see how the Lord intervened in our lives. But how many know the intervention of God still comes through people? And if I'm not in the right place at the right time, I'll miss some of that. I don't mean the Lord never gives us a second chance. He's faithful and he's merciful and he's kind. And so, you know, we need not be in fear of, ah, oh, what if I miss the message? I've ran to the bathroom. Now my whole life is over. <laughs> I missed the, uh, the direction for my life. Well, you know, I'm not saying there's no merit to that, but I do know the Lord is merciful. And if we'll listen and be, in, be where we need to be and, and follow our hearts in that regard, uh, we'll have what we need to have. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, let, let, let's, just, let's just finish up. Uh, I, I wanted to get into some other stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it next time. But uh, you, you remember the scripture, uh, in fact, multiple scriptures where Jesus used the phrase, many are called, but few are chosen. Yet sometimes people have a question about that. And they think, well, the Lord only chooses a certain people. Uh, really, the choosing is... Not so much about what the Lord does, but about our response to the call. And the Lord is calling us, has called us out of darkness. But you know that He has called people out of darkness that are still in darkness? In other words, the call came, but the lack of response was not, that lack of response uh, was present. And when the Lord calls, we need to respond and you know, and then we then we become the chosen. And not everybody can stay in the heat. Sometimes when things get uncomfortable, people quit. And this is where we got to have sticking power. Become sticky. <laughs> in other words, when God is doing something, I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to stay with it. If I know the Lord's... And the, listen, the church, the church around the world... And local churches all around the world. It's definitely what the Lord Jesus is building in our day. So what should, I, how should, what should be my response? Here's one response. Stick. Don't let the devil drive you out. Don't let the devil get, uh, you know, bring offense or, or any other thing so that he gets you outside of the church and then is able to, ta- able to attack and be successful. When we're together... Even through the heat. The Lord never told you that it would be a cakewalk all through life. And if you get in the right church, everything's just going to be just sweet. Everybody acts perfectly like Jesus. No. <laughs> that is not, that's not how, how it works. Uh, it's called We Got Flesh and Unrenewed Minds. And we're in a process. And we're growing together. But as long as we stay in the church... And I'm saying, you're talking about, it's all about our church. No, I think people should stay in other churches too. <laughs> I think the devil wants to separate people from all kinds of places. Amen. But we need to resist that so we can be the chosen. 
Amen. We had the, uh, the will, we had the determination, the commitment to stay and answer the call and be a part of what God is doing in the earth today. Now listen, when we say uh, that the church is a assembly, it's a gathering together, uh, one thing we, we must realize that our coming together is not just physical. It's not just physical. It's possible for us to be in the room, <laughs> to be together physically, but not really be together. And that also gives opportunity for division, which is one of the main, if not the main, strategy of the enemy to destroy lives. He wants to divide, but it's not always physical division. A lot of times it happens right up here. Amen. And we'll talk some about that later. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you tonight for your presence, for being with us. We believe you're doing a good thing, doing a good work in our lives. Help us to recognize, I pray, each and every one of us, help us to recognize the people that you've placed in our lives. Some of it's family, some friends, some gifts of God, ministry gifts, all the relationships that you've placed in our lives so that we can benefit from that and we can give into that relationship. Father, we believe that you're involved in the local church today. The Lord Jesus is building the church. And we thank you that we're safe and protected. We're instructed and we're led into the way that we should go. Lord, we honor and bless you tonight. Thank you for being in this place, being involved in our lives. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name.